Hello, Pop Punk Posse, and welcome back. Part two, does this look infected by Sum 41? Let's get right back into it. Here we go. Track number six. I think this one's about you, Mike. No brains. <laughs> Keenan. Uh, another zinger. So I actually read that this one is about one person specifically. It's about a former band member, the original singer of Sum 41. And Derek wrote it because he just despises this guy. I actually had no idea. I had to go back to Wikipedia and read their history to even realize that they had a, a singer whose name is John Marshall. So I guess it's about this chump. Yeah, I didn't do that research because I knew that you would. Mm, that's right. Was Derek... In the band, just as not the vocalist? Derek and Steve originally formed the band. Steve's the drummer. Derek right. was just a guitarist. And then they had this guy, John Marshall, as the lead singer, and they had some other guy on bass. And I think the story goes that they were playing some tiny club, doing a show. They had, like, some original music, doing some covers. And they met their current – well, not current to this day, but current during Does This Look Infected manager, Greg Norrie – he was at the club watching them and he actually said, oh, you guys are good, but I don't really like this guy, John, as a singer. I don't you know, think the music's really good that he's written. And that convinced the guys in the band uh, essentially to try to get John to leave. And then eventually John was so fed up that he just like left the band or something. Interesting. So, yeah. And then I think Derek became the lead singer from there. It's just so hard to imagine anybody else besides Derek as the lead singer. I know. Well, that was super early days. I think that was like. You know, probably the first year of the band's existence. Right, right. So probably nobody besides, like, their manager and people that saw them in those little club shows actually ever knew the difference. But That's right. The song itself is basically just cutting ties with somebody that is uh, kind of cancerous to your lifestyle, your life. I guess in this case, it's a very specific person, but I think this could really be applied to any sort of relationship or friendship that, you know, you need to completely cut ties with somebody over, like completely cut them out of your life. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it could be interpreted as romantic relationship, friendship, maybe a toxic family member, um, just that feeling of wanting to shed dead weight. Like no matter how hard you try to understand this person or you try to understand each other, you just can't make it work. So it's like, let's just move on. To your point, Mike, something I did notice in All Killer No Filler as well, sometimes Sum 41's lyrics are maybe intentionally vague where it makes it kind of difficult to figure out exactly what they're talking about, which I think is cool because it makes us doing this podcast think a little bit, but we can also apply it to our own lives. This song immediately made me think of that again, like, 
huh, what exactly is this about, you know, a love interest is about a friend. It's not entirely clear, but I think we can apply it to like multiple different types of relationships. Yeah, absolutely. The chorus is goodbye, like this dead end situation. So you can run into that with multiple scenarios. And honestly, if I hadn't read that it was about a bandmate, I would have just assumed it was about like a relationship or yeah, like somebody of a romantic prominence in your life. Track number seven. Oh, this one's also about you, Mike. All messed up. What's well, about your face specifically? You heard me in the intro. My face is all messed up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We didn't really address those blemishes. We'll get to it later. <laughs> So Derek and Dave, Dave Bash, the uh, lead guitarist, they have both gone on record to say that this song's about being messed up on drugs. And once again, going back to that Sum 41 theme of drugs and alcohol. Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward, Keenan. They're all messed up. I loved it. I kind of love the lines in this one, though. Making perfect nonsense. You know when you're... Uh, under the influence and you're just saying stuff that's nonsensical but in your head it's like oh this is very uh deep and yeah. philosophic and pretty much every time i'm uh under the influence yep yeah so i thought that was pretty funny but then it also kind of tells the story of when it can go on for too long or maybe people that lose their self in you know these uh altered states of reality lose yourself by m&m <laughs> first first Ooh, ever Academy Award for a rap yeah. song, Heenan. <laughs> but yeah, you're exactly right. Like, I do think they portray the negative side of drinking and partying. I think compared to last week when we discussed Blink-182 and they have kind of those fun party songs where they paint this like hilarious picture of a house party or like a kegger. This is like the bad side of it, like the anxiety and depression you have when you're super hungover or the feeling of being detached from reality all those things eventually culminate into, you know, more and more self-destructive behavior. So, yeah, I think it's like the darker side of being under the influence and abusing drugs and alcohol, which is really sad because, once again, we, we always go back to it, Sum 41, but it's almost as if Derek anticipated what was around the corner for him, you know, in his own life. Yeah, and there's a lot of lines that, like, I think probably were written from a very personal perspective, like, well, I hold my only enemy as closely as a friend. In my reading of it, it's like you take alcohol or drugs and like you see them as like a welcoming place. Like they make you feel comfortable or whatever. When in reality, they're actually like the worst thing that you could possibly be doing. Yeah. You know, you should see them as an enemy as opposed to this like Haha, an old friend, like time to yeah. get high. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of the you know double edged sword. This had me thinking, were there any situations that you can think of? And if you're too embarrassed, you don't have to dive into it. But any situations where you knew you shouldn't be as drunk as you were and you knew you were probably either like 
ruining the party or ruining the vibe, just places where you were out of place because of how, you know, drunk or intoxicated you were. Um, no, okay, nothing that comes to mind. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I don't think of, I'm sure, I'm sure I ruined a couple parties <laughs> back in my day, but the times that I realized that I was too drunk, you know, those moments when like you kind of like are going to the bathroom and you'll look in the mirror Oh and yeah! You'll just be like, whoa, whoa! What's up, drunkie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you start kind of like giggling to yourself, like, whoa, yeah. whoopsies. <laughs> yeah. That might not be a very innocent too drunk, and it could lead to nothing. But you know, there yeah. are those times when uh, we do have uh, over my head, better off dead sort of situations where, yeah, you say a bunch of shit that uh, you don't like. I I remember being. Okay, this is actually kind of relevant okay. to this show. And nothing too bad happened. I just drank too much. So we were going to a Blink show. It was on the California tour, so like 2016. Mm-hmm. It was in Camden. We got a like a party bus on the way there. And so we just drank the whole way there. And Who are you with? Abby, Christy, Steve, Carrie, Gabrielle, a bunch of Abby's friends from high school. Yeah. And then, like, there are significant others. But it was, like, one of the hottest days of the year. So mm-hmm. we got out of the air-conditioned party bus and stepped into, like, 98-degree weather, already, like, many beers deep and with no intention of drinking water for the rest of the night. <laughs> yep. And I just remember by the end of the night, like, and especially to be in a public place and be really intoxicated, I really don't like that feeling. Yeah. But um, by the end of the night, we were all kind of helping each other back to the bus. And we were way too old to be acting this way, too. We were like 26 <laughs> or 27. Yeah. And I think I just fell asleep the whole drive home because I was like, oh, my God. Like, yep. So, I don't know. To answer your question. Oh, that was it? Yeah. You just got drunk and fell asleep? Well, <laughs> you asked for a time when I realized, like, oh, my oh, okay, gosh, yeah. I'm too drunk. Like, I was literally too drunk. Yeah, I got I you. was too drunk to even uh, do something mean or nasty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I, th- I think that's great. There's... Okay, so... Oh, God, you're going to tell another story? I'll give you... <laughs> just keep going with these. Do you remember Four Locos? Do I ever? Yeah. So, for the uninitiated, Four Loco was the caffeinated, very alcoholic drink that came out when we were in college. And I remember we used to drink these things... And we, we shouldn't not have been drinking them. Oh, they're so bad for you. Yeah. Such a quick blackout. Yeah. But I remember one time I pre-gamed with like two Four Locos thinking, Oh dear. Hey, you know, this is fine. This is what everybody does. And so we were at like our friend's apartment, drank a bunch of Four loco, and then we were going to another party. And I remember showing up to the second party and uh, immediately feeling like I, I should leave because I was like, I'm going to vomit. And um Oh, they were also so like gross and sugary too, so they yeah. never like sat well. Yeah. But you know when you're just standing there and you're too drunk to like move? I was like too drunk to move. But I'm like, alright, I I gotta stay here for a little bit, but I'm gonna need to go find a bathroom to throw up in because Ugh. I kinda wish they would bring Fort Loco back. I think Everybody needs to experience it to understand. Well, they still have them. They just don't have caffeine in them anymore. So it's like just a shitty tasting, like fruity malt beverage. Yeah. They realize that the caffeine is what, like, that's what messed you up. 
Yeah, for sure. It was the alcohol caffeine combination. Totally. Yeah, because your body would be up, but your brain would just be like fast <laughs> totally asleep. Totally shut off. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> oh God, it's so scary. I could tell you multiple four loco stories where I embarrass myself, um, but we don't need to dive into it. The one story that I can think of is one where I went to a uh, Notre Dame Temple football game at the Link in mm. Philly, and I remember it was like. So many people were there that I knew. My entire family was there, like parents included. All of our close friends, like Canal, that whole group of people. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was there. And there was like a big tailgate. We were drinking Fireball. I was like, oh, this will be fine. Like, I'll just be a little drunk at yeah. the game. Fireball is easy. No big deal. Fireball is similar to Four Loco in my mind where it's like you just keep drinking it and drinking it. And then you realize you're way too drunk to be anywhere. Yeah. It's just like a nice, uh, it's a nice spiced little uh, treat. Sure, yeah. Nothing crazy. Nice little alcoholic candy. <laughs> but by the time I walked into the stadium, uh, I was way too drunk to be there and started to realize it. And I remember walking out to buy beers for me and my girlfriend, and we were sitting near my family, my parents, my sister, and my brother-in-law, and just did not know where I was going. Like, walked out to get beer in, like, the main little yeah. area where the, all the food and stuff is, and I got lost. And I was like, I don't know how to get back. And I was holding <laughs> these two beers. I didn't have access to my phone. So I just walked to a little corner where you could see the field, and I put the beers on top of two trash cans, and I just started watching the game from there. And my mom came and found me. Nice. Like, in person. She's like, what are you doing? And I just didn't know how to communicate to her. And she's like, oh, my God, like, follow me. And just I had to sit next game. to her for the rest of the game. Nice. And then I spent like $200 on an Uber home and I remember the next day seeing my mom and she actually cried and she's like, I never want to see you that drunk again. All right, mom. Well, then don't come find me then. <laughs> yeah. She did rescue me though. That was the other thing. I kept saying like, oh, you rescued me. Thanks for rescuing me. I owe you. And she's like, what are you talking Shut about? Up. Shut bad. up. You're embarrassing me, man. Yeah. So that's the one I can think of. Yeah. That's a great depiction of like. Like the song, you know, you go from having fun, a good time to like, oh no. We were all messed up, Mike. Yeah. Track number eight, Mr. Amsterdam. Is this just about the Netherlands, Mike? Yeah, I think it is, Keenan. This is their ode to the Dutch. It's about the hottest person in Amsterdam. Like <laughs> our Miss America, it's their Mr. Amsterdam. Oh. <laughs> I'd watch that contest. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of blonde dudes. Yeah, lots of blonde dudes. <laughs> a lot of blonde dudes that are high all the time. Uh, okay, <laughs> giggles aside, Mike, what do you think this song's about? A similar theme to what we've seen on a couple other songs where it's an individual that is just so fed up with the world at large and society as a whole that they actually resign from being a person. <laughs> Can you do that? I didn't know that that was a possibility. I would have done that a long time ago. I guess it's pretty bleak. It says, I know I'm not going to stay or live to see the day the world comes to be. Here's a resignation from me. 
Yeah. So it's like, are you just becoming a recluse or are you killing yourself? Because that can take a variety of, of uh, interpretations, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what it's about is just somebody that's like, I'm over the world. I'm kind of done with all this. Like, call me when things get better and uh, maybe I'll come back. But for now, I resign. <laughs> yeah, which now we know is a thing. It's another interesting commentary by Sum 41, similar to Still Waiting, about how the world's heading in the wrong direction. This is about how modern society is so shitty and broken and you've just given up. It's interesting. I think I read somewhere that Derek said specifically it's about how society's complacent and technology is the reason for that. And he was quoted as saying something like, you can order all your groceries from a computer. You can do anything you want. You can just sit there and become fatter. And I think that's bad, which is so funny because if only he could transport 15 years into the future and see what things are like these days, um, where literally you can order anything online. It's even worse. Or better. According to him, it'd be worse. Yeah. According to us, it'd be a lot better. <laughs> Don't have to leave my house. It's like that fat dude from Wally, or it's like all the fat people from Wally. Yeah, that is true, though. And that's kind of what I meant when I was saying, like, the 21st century was, like, kind of crazy. Like, all this stuff was just, like, things that we had never even dreamt about before. Like, oh, I can just order something straight to my house. I don't need to go Christmas shopping anymore. Uh. While they're all, like, novel ideas now, at a certain point in time, they are revolutionary. And I can definitely see, as a person living through that, how you might be a little cynical to, you know, the new way of life or the new way that it seems the majority of people in the world want to live. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Derek hated it. I wonder if he has an Amazon Prime account. I would bet he probably does. Hypocrite. You can't beat the free shipping. That's true. Musically, I thought this song was cool. They're screaming in the verses, which is kind of rare for Sum 41. At least during this time, it was fairly rare. little screamo action there. And then there's also a super heavy metal breakdown, which they've done a few times. I think one of the things I love about Sum 41 is their bridges and their breakdowns are just like so over the top and way different from other pop punk bands' breakdowns. And theirs are really heavy. This one was almost reminiscent of like Metallica. That's how, you know, metal it was. And we know that Sum 41 considers Metallica an influence of theirs, especially Dave Bash, the guitarist. He was super into Metallica and did incorporate a lot of their types of um, guitar riffs into the Sum 41 music. weird from my perspective like i like some metal but i'm in no way like a huge fan or a huge or have a vast knowledge of that genre but i think some 41 does a great job of like keeping the pop punk fans invested while also like appealing to people that like a more heavier sound and i might be completely wrong about this but i feel like metal acts as a whole were kind of down in the early 2000s so for some 41 to keep that spirit alive 
of all these great metal bands that had gone before them and risen to prominence and still paid tribute to them through their music, I think is pretty cool. Not as cool as you, Mike. Thanks, Keenan. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> Track number nine. Thanks for nothing. Perfect segue. <laughs> This, I would argue, Mike, is also one of the more underrated Sum 41 songs. I remember discovering this one kind of late in the game. Like, it wasn't a single. It's deep in the track list on this album. But loving this song once I discovered it and listening to it almost on repeat at times. Keenan, this is my current favorite. This is your current favorite? Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Like you said, I don't think I always knew this song, but... On my more recent listen to this album, this is the one that really stands out to me. It's so good. It really is good. I would argue that this song is the perfect complement to Fat Lip. I was thinking the same thing. Were you really? Yeah. The verses are set up very similar where Derek and Steve are like sing rapping back and forth. The theme is similar. It's all about not conforming, not letting the world tell you what to do and not letting uh, those with authority control you or try to control you. So yeah, I just thought like, I love a song where Steve gets on the mic. And so this song really stood out. Yeah, they do it once or twice an album. They like to rap. They like to incorporate Steve. And usually those are the same thing. Um, But yeah, I thought this was just this album's fat lip, except the more grown up version. It feels like more government politics and society has failed you, whereas I think Fatlib felt more like sticking it to your parents. It was like slightly more like juvenile theme. But like you said, both very similar. Yeah. The word that um, stands out is like illusion, confusion, exploitation, dishonest. Like they're just they're so cynical, Keenan. Just like us this episode. Now I know why we're so cynical. Yeah. We're just feeding off of them. Yeah. And really, Thanks for Nothing sums it up. Like, in their mind, the world has given them nothing. Yeah. It's kind of up to them to take that uh, at face value. And what are you going to do? You just got to go out there on your own and be your own person and just stop worrying about what other people are doing and, and worry about what you are able to do. On to track number 10. Hyper Insomnia Parachondroid. Did I say that right? Uh, I don't even know what you said, Keenan. <laughs> Nobody does.
Here's another fun, upbeat song, Mike, right? Uh, yeah, Keenan. This has been where, as I think the album has some moments of positivity, this is another negative one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to get too much happier from here on out, Mike, unfortunately. But this one gives off the sense of just feeling helpless and going crazy because of that. And I would assume it has to do with all the horrible things that were mentioned in previous songs. Like this dude is just so overwhelmed by all these terrible things that he's seeing in the world around him. And it feels like he's hitting rock bottom because he has no control over them. Yeah, I think it's like just being stuck in your own mind and really not being able to escape it. He talks about silence is screaming in my head. What does that even mean? Like, it's just like you hear the expression, the silence is deafening. Being stuck with your own thoughts, you know, you're losing your mind. It feels like you're helpless and walls are closing in. It just sounds like a miserable existence. Sounds like your existence. I wasn't going to go that far, but yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, Mike. Your existence is great. It does make you think of like, I don't know, insomnia, paranoia. Those are such weird, like, feelings and concepts to me. Do you ever get those? Do you ever get insomnia? Uh, not really. I was... Uh, sleeping well these days? Yeah. Oh, nice. No, surprisingly, uh, luckily, I should say, I don't really have much insomnia. There are times in my life when I'm paranoid about something, but I wouldn't say that it's a persistent paranoia. Uh, but, yeah, those things sound, like, incredibly tough to deal with. I feel like I've seen you paranoid on this podcast before, recording this podcast. You remember when you thought there was somebody in your house? Yeah. Uh, we went over <laughs> this. You think that I have, like, saw a ghost or something or, like... Yeah. I am just very nervous about my children waking up when we record it. And if I hear any sort of, like, sound, it could just be the house moving. I just take off my headphones and go, what? It's like that <laughs> DJ Khaled gif where he's, like sitting at the table with, like, a drink in, in the water, and he just stands up and stares. Yeah. That's, like, what that I is do. You. you have legitimately done that a few times while recording. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. That's exactly what I do. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, no, in, in life, I'm not paranoid. I used to be a little bit paranoid. Like, I don't know if this is a common thing or not, but when Abby and I first started dating, I would always be, like, paranoid. Like, what if she, like... Uh, hooks up with somebody else or like what if she like you should still be paranoid about that i know i got over that just kidding abby we know you're faithful i got over that but <laughs> i feel like that's something a lot of people go through like those yeah everybody goes initial like trust issues until you're like oh wait no they're actually like they're a nice person and they wouldn't do that to me yeah that's normal stuff i don't think that's yeah. anything out of the ordinary but no i'm not peeking out my front window thinking that uh you know the men in black are coming for me or anything like that there but for the grace of God go I, Mike. That's so true, Keenan. I love that expression, and I'm going to uh, look it up so I can say it right. Use it ten times tomorrow. It's a lot of words. It certainly is. Track number 11, Billy Spleen. Ooh, that's a different type of title there, Mike. Definitely.
right, Mike, why don't you tell me what you think this is about, and then I'll educate you on what it's actually about. All right, sick. Let me look at my notes here. <laughs> uh, I think this is about a relationship deteriorating. I'm not sure about all the details, but from what I can infer from the lyrics, it's not good. That line, I never can make up the time that you take up, uh, I feel like that's saying that you wasted all this time with somebody that you're not getting back. So, yeah, this is kind of the end of a relationship. It's uh, gone off the rails, gone to hell, and you're kind of realizing that all this time is dead and gone, and you're not getting it back, and you wasted your life on this person, and uh sucks for you. <laughs> all right. Do you want the verdict, Mike? You want to know what it's actually about and how close you were? Uh, Okay, sure. Okay, here we go. To preface it, I thought it could have been about a relationship too. I also thought it might have been about like how drugs and alcohol take over your life because there's specific mm. references to addiction um, and being chained to a mirror. And I thought, oh, those are pretty obvious drug references. But I couldn't quite figure it out. So I stopped and I said, you know what, Keenan, You're a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do a little digging, do a little desktop research, uh, do a little investigating and see what you can find. Billy Spleen is a character from a Darren Shan book, or I guess it was a series called the Demonata series. It's a young adult horror fantasy series that deals with the world of demons. It's notable for its extensive graphic violence, despite being aimed at children. Hmm. Billy Spleen is the half-brother of the main protagonist, a guy named Grubbs Grady, and he suffered from a disease called lycanthropy, which turns people into werewolves. Throughout this whole series, Mike, there's a bunch of books. Billy's this, like, featured but kind of minor character. Billy and Grubbs were close at the very start of the series, but their relationship is constantly tested. And eventually, Billy Spleen is killed by his brother. Wow. And so I think there's all this, like, crazy back and forth, like, who's good, who's evil. And eventually this relationship just ends in horrible fashion. So, Mike... You were exactly right that it's about a deteriorating relationship that ends in catastrophe. Wow, cool. I didn't think it was about Billy Spleen and his brother. I thought it was about just some ex that you now hate, but cool. No, it goes a lot deeper than that. So, yeah, we would never, I mean, unless you've read the Demonata series, which yeah, <laughs> I know you. I know you're not an avid reader. Um, didn't even read Harry Potter, so. No. Your brief description makes it sound cool, but I would never, ever go and check it out. No, I feel like we're kind of beyond the point of fantasy series. While I love the concept of them, I feel like you and I are, we're kind of living in reality these days. Yeah. I also just don't even read books anymore. <laughs> I know, me neither. <laughs> it's so bad, but I really don't. I talk to people about this all the time, but it's been a long time. There are people that, like, we have friends. Like, I know Lauren, our friend Lauren, has, like, a bookstagram. That's right, yeah. A few people do. Alex has Alex, one, too. yep. Alex has one, too. And that's great very happy for them it's so cool when you can like get 10 new books and read all of them in a month and be like so excited about it uh that's not me it's such an accomplishment that i wish i could do because i start reading and i'm like and i really do love reading books i just my my attention span's so <laughs> destroyed by all the things Derek wibley hates i know i just want to read uh, tweets and like watch 10 minute youtube videos and clips and whatever God, well, we already covered that your GPA was, what, 3-2 in college and that none of us really cared about the Terra Nova test. So, yeah, uh, yeah what are we going to do, read books for fun now? Not a freaking chance. Well, that was one of my problems is I was an English major and I didn't want to read any <laughs> yeah. of the things that I was That's a conundrum. I, my favorite 
class was the short story uh, class because I actually would read the short stories. They were more yeah, uh, just short enough. digestible. Well, I'm happy that uh, you nailed that, Mike. Nice job. Thanks, Keenan. Thanks for that nice little background on it. No problem, bro. I wasn't digging that up. Yeah, boy, did I know that. That's why I told you let me take lead on this. <laughs> <laughs> Track number 12. This one's also about you, Mike. Hooch. You're a hoochie hooch. Turner and Hooch. Okay, before anything, Mike, I know everybody's been anxiously awaiting it. I wait till the very last song. But Hooch is this week's doppelganger. I thought that was also a thing that we were leaving in the past. I kind of hope we do. <laughs> Can this be the last one? I would be totally fine with that. It's a lot of pressure. This one, I don't want to I don't wanna give it away, but you gave me a heads up, and woo boy, is it a good one. Oh my god, I couldn't even believe it. So this song, multiple parts of this song is nearly identical to P.O.D.'s song, Boom, which also came out around the same time. Uh, it's pretty bad. So P.O.D.'s song, Boom, came out in 2001. This came out in 2002. The intros are nearly identical. Here's Hooch, Sum 41. And here's the intro of P.O.D.'s Boom. And then unfortunately the choruses are also very, very similar. Here's the chorus of Hooch. Here's the chorus of Boom. Even like some of the things that they mention in the song, like Sum 41 talks about detonating and exploding. Uh, boom is obviously called Boom. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I never like to think that bands actively rip songs from other bands, but maybe it's even a reference to that song. They're just so similar in so many ways, Mike. That's unusual because that P.O.D. album was pretty huge. It was massive, yeah. Boom was one of the singles from it. It had Alive. It had Youth of the Nation. Oh, yeah. Like, that wasn't like some minor album that you could maybe jack something from and nobody would notice like those songs were everywhere back in 2001 and 2002 i was looking at some of those pod songs on youtube some of them have like 100 million views like they're <laughs> massive i remember them being huge but like 100 million people are listening to pod for real well 
POD, if you will recall, Keenan, was a Christian uh, act. So that's correct. Yeah. Maybe it's a lot of Christians who don't want to listen to secular new metal, so they listen to POD's Christian new metal sound. That's right. The nice wholesome stuff. Yeah. Boom! Here comes the boom! I love uh, that kind of music where it's just guys like scream singing. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of bands like that back in the day. Uh, Limp Biscuit, Kid Rock. Yeah. A bunch of white dudes yelling a lot, you know? Yeah, I love the white dudes. Uh, Abby and I recently watched, I'm not sure how recently it was added to Netflix, but there was a Woodstock 99 docuseries on Netflix. I watched that too, yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah, and that was very fun. It kind of goes along with uh, what we were saying. A lot of the people that are interviewed on there say like there's a lot of anger and aggression and confusion with the youth at that time it's like a weird period where as a whole america was like prosperous but there was also a lot of like uncertainty about the future and a bunch of young angry white guys uh got a little too rowdy they drank a little <laughs> bit too much for loco a little too much hooch Ooh, that's that's exactly right, Mike. Uh, to your point, that's kind of the theme of this song and kind of the theme of the majority of this album. At this point in the album, it feels like the world's totally crumbled. You're, again, affected by all these things that Derek and the band mention. And this one is almost like a call to arms. At this point, you have nothing to lose. You're ready to finally fight back. You're at your wit's end and you're going to explode. So it's like, okay, might as well just lean into it at this point. That's kind of the vibe that I got from this song. Everything to prove and nothing to lose, Keenan. And then maybe the coolest part of the song, Mike, is it's super upbeat. It's kind of aggressive. And then all of a sudden, it breaks down to this really slow fade out. And to me, that was Derek or the guys in the band finally accepting their fate, feeling dejected and just drifting off into the sunset. Yeah, it's that sweet guitar solo into that outro. Uh, the line they repeat over and over is, I'll fall into you, but don't believe that this is real. Which, not even quite sure what that means, but I feel it, Keenan. You know, I feel it. Overall, Mike, I do feel like this song was kind of heavy. It was like pretty dark and depressing themes. Um, and I think these themes mimic their heavier sound and style compared to their debut album, All Killer No Filler. 
the themes themselves alternate between these personal problems like excessive drinking, depression, suicide, and then these broader problems in society like, you know, war, politics, and the crumbling of civilization as a whole. For me, it's actually one of my favorite Sum 41 albums. I love All Killer No Filler, but this is one that I really gravitate towards. And at that time, when I listened to Sum 41, I liked the heavier sound. I was into a little bit of metal. I was into a little bit of hard rock. So I actually really liked this different type of sound that they were starting to come up with. You nailed it, Keenan. This is like the perfect petri dish of all killer no filler and chuck it's like you can see that pop punk beginning to blossom into a more heavier feel you can see the sophomoric and adolescent themes also maturing into more introspective and deeper thoughts occurring i think it kind of has a similar timeline to what we saw with blink last week where they mature from Enema to Take Off Your Pants to Self-Titled. Some 41 also matures from All Killer, No Failure to Does This Look Infected to Chuck. It's kind of like the Pokemon evolution of Some 41. <laughs> what a relatable theme, Mike. <laughs> Especially for that time period. Yeah. All Killer, No Failure is a cute Charmander. It's like fun and like nice. This is like the more brooding uh, Charmeleon. And then Chuck is like the Charizard, like burn it all to the ground, like war sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing analogy. Yeah. But no, this album's great. It's not my favorite. I still love the more poppy, punky stuff. But uh, you're right. It's cool having a pop punk band delve into that metal realm. It's fun for us lamos that are too uh, too scared of real metal. We can listen to this instead. We love all the themes, Mike. Got to catch them all. Well, that was depressing, Mike. Um, Hopefully we can do something a little more fun. Next week, we're going to launch into Good Charlotte's self-titled album. One of our all-time favorites, Mike. Definitely an all-time favorite for me, Keenan. It's been so long since we've done a Good Charlotte album. And I think as one of our shared favorite pop punk bands, I'm really excited to get back to, to some GC. Love GC. Joel and Benji Madden, our favorite boys. We love those boys. Those Baltimore boys. Waldorf. Naptown. Worldwide. What? Until next week, drop us a line at poppunkproject.gmail.com on Instagram and Twitter at poppunkproject and on patreon.com slash poppunkproject. 
Mike, you gonna get that blemish checked out or what? Uh, I don't know. Do you think it looks infected? <laughs> it looks disgusting. Just kidding. I'm gonna have to go see the Dr. Pimple Popper person. <laughs> uh, love those videos online. See, I can't stand them. I can't either. I hate them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We hope you had the time of your lives. Oh, man. Good riddance. Good riddance to those pimples, Mike.